Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries. We're a gospel-centered, disciple-making, church-planting ministry focused on helping you discover the reality of Christianity and walk in the fruitfulness of all that Jesus came to give you, the abundant life that's available to you. We trust that this teaching will help you grow in your relationship with God and be a blessing to you. of um, how awesome it is that God doesn't expect us to be where we're not. Think about that for a moment. God doesn't expect you to be where you're not. Okay? So it's like, I mean, you could be anywhere else now. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you in your growth. So it's like we're talking about a lot of things, and what we're talking about applies differently to each of us in terms of surrender, in terms of um, laying down our lives for the Lord and, and in, in terms of living for Him, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Like what that looks like and the next step of that is different for you. It's going to look different for you than it does for me. It's going to look different for all of us because you can only step into what you're ready to step into. We're talking about maturity, really. You know, I can't expect um, uh, my sons to... Just think about mowing the lawn and getting the lawnmower out and doing all of those things just yet. Just yet. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, you know, but I have to think about it. Especially if I start, start seeing the grass is getting a little bit longer. Um, you know, so it's like maturity uh, um, is being somewhere where you weren't. <clears throat> it's progressing to a place <clears throat> where you, 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 you're able to have more capacity, do more, uh, uh, whatever. And in the kingdom, it's um, kind of like love people more or shepherd people more, look after people more. Or, you know, like uh, there's the verse which speaks about, um, um, I don't want to go there. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, "He, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Then it speaks further down about um, until we come to the unity of the faith, the perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should be no more uh, children. So it's talking about maturity and how um, leadership's purpose in the church is to help us get to a place of maturity. God's desire for us is to grow up, to start to be able to do more than we could do. You know, so if you look at the, back at the end of this year, you should be more spiritually mature than when you went into it. That's God's desire for you. And a lot of the time, it doesn't happen. Why? Because we didn't, uh, um, uh, we didn't build that towards that. We put our efforts into other things. We were distracted with other things. And so, you know, you're only going to get out of it what you put in. <clears throat> okay? So let me, let me, let me change gears a little bit, and don't answer out loud, but just think about this for a moment. What are you believing God for at the moment? What are you believing God for? The answer to that question, if you're answering honestly, will be um, representative of where you are in your maturity. What are you believing God for? And let me say that whatever you're believing God for, however you answer that question, it's not necessarily wrong. It might be. 
might be very wrong. But I'm saying, don't feel bad for it. Okay? Um, I, I remember hearing the story somewhere uh, uh, of a college professor who picked a, a, a little apple. So it was a little apple like that from a tree. <clears throat> and he held it up in his class and he said to the class, what's wrong with this apple? And everyone was shouting out answers and stuff. And the primary answer would have been, it's too small. Okay? And he said, there's nothing wrong with this apple. It was just picked prematurely. It's at the perfect size for its stage of growth. So that's what I want you to see. Is like in your maturity, like you'll, you'll, you'll hear a message maybe on surrender and you'll hear a testimony about someone doing this and doing that. And if you're not there, you can't do that. You can only do what you're ready to do. And that's why allowing ourselves to be equipped and administered to and and prepared for the work of the ministry is so important because we can't do what we're not enabled to do yet. Now, with the Holy Spirit, obviously, we're able to do many things. But for you to be able to step into the more that God's got for you, you've got to mature to that place. No one's expecting you to stand at a pulpit unless you've matured to that place of standing at a pulpit. No one's expecting you to lead a life group if you haven't matured to that place where you can lead a life group. No one's expecting you to, to, to share the gospel. We would beg you not to try and share the gospel if you're not ready for it in terms of you don't even know what it is really or you can't talk to people or something. I mean, you know, we, we, we appreciate the efforts, but if you feel like you're going to butcher it, rather get equipped, get, get trained. Like, you know, and we've got training for all of that. We've got equipping for that in, in this, this uh, family here. But what are you believing God for? <clears throat> Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, it's speaking of God, 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, and it says, Who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So this is what God's believing for. Okay, this is what God's believing for. <clears throat> His desire is all men come to, how does I put it? All men come to repentance or be saved and, and come to a knowledge of the truth. I love how the Amplified puts it. It says, increasingly come to a knowledge of the truth. So it's about a progressive growth. He doesn't just want people saved and stuck. He wants them to get saved and then grow in their relationship, grow in their knowledge. Okay, There's many verses which echo that. But the question I want to ask us, the, the, the maturing question, is are we believing for what God's believing for? Are we believing for what God's believing for? If God is, the, this is His desire, that all be saved and all come to a knowledge of the truth, is that my desire? Do I want all to be saved? Because if I do, then my life will start to be shaped by that. My decisions will start to echo that. The, my priorities will start to reflect that. You know, it, like case in point, the example I gave of Etienne at the morgue, and saying to the whatever she was, are you a child of God? Making sure that, that she's heard the gospel at least, even in a traumatic experience like that. I mean, I was a bit blown away when he did that. I was just standing in the room just to support, and then he goes and does that. I was like, hmm, that's pretty good, you know. I was like, I didn't expect that. We, we should always be on like that. And if our desires are linked with God's desires, we'll be able to do that. Okay? You can't be thinking of yourself in a situation like that if you want to do something like that. But then the other one is, uh, if God's desires all come to a knowledge of the truth, 
And, 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 and if my desire is that, then I will want me to grow in my knowledge of the truth, and I want to help other people grow in their knowledge of the truth. Right? So the more I align my desires, and I'm believing what God's believing for, if you want to put it like that, then uh, uh, I believe that's like, kind of like a power couple. <laughs> If we're coupling ourselves up with God, our beliefs and desires with God's beliefs and desires, like that's the, that's the bed for great things to happen. Amen? Amen? So, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Because if God's desire is all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, then that's defining our mission field. That's defining where God, what God wants done in the earth. Okay? And, I mean, I have, I think it's an 80 slide, um, I had prepared for now, an 80 slide uh, 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 sermon. So it's 80 slides of different uh, verses. Um, to take you through a journey from Genesis till today, <laughs> to show you uh, like um, what our calling is from from that, and how you know, and I was like excited about, it and I was like, this is I don't know how long this is going to take, so let me stick with this one, you know, which is condensed version. Everyone said Amen. So Luke chapter ten, verse two. <clears throat> Bible school will get that one. Bible school will get that one. So therefore, Luke chapter ten, verse two, King James says, therefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly great. Because this is showing us God's desire. And he has this desire because the harvest is truly great. Yeah. And then it says, but. The but is kind of bringing in a problem. The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that uh, he would send forth laborers into his harvest. It's a good place to pause and just say, when we first felt to do this conference... I was like, let's just focus in on grace and just like, that was the aim. And I, and I couldn't get there. The more I prayed and the more I sought God, the more I was like, this is where we're going to have to land. Because um, grace causes this, it gets us here. This is where we get to with grace. So it says, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Then there's an instruction or an invitation, pray. Therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So, there's a couple things which are important with that. Firstly, it's showing us to sing laborers into the harvest field. Can you see that? I'm sure in the Greek, in the original Greek text, it's uh, when it says pray, it actually means sing. I love singing. But I'm just trying to point out, like, we're not focused on what we, are, we should be focused on. It's saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send. Okay? So pray the Lord of the harvest to send. We, they, 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 because God's dream isn't coming to pass, I want to say, quick enough. Why is it not coming to pass quick enough? Because of the lack of laborers. Now I want to show you that that's not accurate. <laughs> okay, there are enough laborers. If you look at the, 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 the voice translation, it says it beautifully. The voice translation, <clears throat> listen here. This is what he ordered, okay, what Jesus ordered. There's a great harvest waiting in the fields, but there aren't many good workers to harvest it. 
Pray that the harvest master will send out good workers to the fields. So the issue is good workers. Okay? What is a good worker? Someone who's working. <clears throat> it's very deep. What is a bad worker? Someone who's not working. It's like you ask someone to plant some trees. And you've got a, a garden and you're like, help me dig some holes and let's plant these trees. And you say, I'm going to town, I'll be back in two hours. And you come back and um, they've trimmed the hedges. And it's like, I asked you to dig a hole and plant the trees. And they're like, yes, but I also, I saw your, your kids were trying to do homework with, with their math. And I'm gifted at math, so I was teaching them some math. And you're like, that's great. I appreciate that, but I asked you to do this. It's like you're going to work to do whatever you're doing, and you choose to do something completely different. You're not getting paid to do something different. Your job and your task is to do what you were told to do. Okay? <clears throat> so, think about the word, the, uh, the idea of good workers. Okay? A good worker is not only someone who's just doing the work, because there's a lot of enthusiastic people that you need to rein in. And that you need to, to kind of like, we're so excited about your excitement. <laughs> but, just hold on for a little bit. Like, you know, what usually has to happen with people like that? We need to equip them. We need to train them. We need to help them mature. Okay, so a good worker is also somebody who's equipped, someone who's trained, and someone who's got the right heart there. And all of this comes through the local church. God's desire, God's dream, to equip you to be able to be a good worker. Okay? Now, the, 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 the prayer that follows this is, is, Here I am, Lord, send me. If we are truly praying for the harvest, God, and, and our hearts are that yielded to God, our hearts would be responding to God, we would be growing, we'd be maturing, we'd be getting ready, and then eventually we'd be like, Lord... You know what? I want to be part of this. Show me what to do. <clears throat> and maybe we'll talk about it just now. But there's many different ways to be part of it. It's not just going and being a missionary. It's living as a missionary where you are. God, how can I use my influence where I am to, to, to reach you? And it's not just about the people you see every day. But when you have to go to the morgue and speak to whoever that is, then, then you, you, you're reaching out to them. It's different situations and scenarios like that. I, 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 there was a situation, I'm trying to remember it now. I was in a shop or something. <laughs> um, ah, uh, 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 in Zim, I, I went to the market just to look for a, a, a gift for, for Martin and the boys. And, and um, this guy, uh, uh, um, you know, it's kind of like the end of the mission, but it's like, it's an, it's, it's not, I'm not just here to support him, I'm here to try and connect with him and see, you know, is he, um, does he need to, to, to receive Christ? You know, and so we're talking about the product or whatever, and I'm like, you know, I really like that. I've always wanted something like that. I want to buy that for my family. And he's like, great, and he's busy wrapping it up. And I said, um, uh, uh, he said, I heard you talking about church. What church do you go to? And I was like, great. I said, we, you know, I explained the church to him, and I was like, I'm sure with having to work here, you, you probably don't go to church much. I mean, it's Sunday today. He's like, no, I don't go to church much, but I am a, a believer. And I said, awesome. 
I was like, he says, you know, when he can, he goes. And I got to encourage him and we, you know, but we made sure, I said, when he said that, I was like, how do you know you're a Christian? Yeah, <laughs> I made sure. There's lots of people, some of you might not be sure. I was like, how do you know you're a Christian? How did you become one? And he said, I follow the Ten Commandments. I was like, really? Okay, okay. I was like, that's interesting. I've got something I want you to read. I was like, opening up my Bible, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. I was like, can you read that for me? And he reads it out loud. I said, where do you find the Ten Commandments in there? Because I'm a little bit confused. Because, you know, this is showing me how to be saved, but it doesn't mention the Ten Commandments. He's like, that's a good point. I was like, so how did you get saved? He's like, I believed in Jesus for the payments of my sins. I was like, now you're getting somewhere. <laughs> and after some investigation, like we realized, okay, he's genuinely saved. And we prayed for him and we blessed him and just uh, encouraged him in his business and stuff. But that's what we mean by living a life of mission. It's not letting someone, even when you know, whether you know them or whether you don't, passing up the opportunities, creating opportunities. Okay? Let's look at Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Ezekiel 36:26. It says, "A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I'll take away your stony heart uh, out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them." Okay? So the, new, the, the terms "new heart, new spirit." It's, it's referring to the new creation. It's referring to the new kind of man that's coming. Okay, mankind. Um, uh, the, the man in Christ. Okay. But what I want you to see is, is he says, a new heart will I give you. The heart, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, uh, uh, um, well, another ver- uh, uh, pro- proverb says, um, um, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. So the heart is kind of the driving seat of your life. What is going on in your heart is vital, is key. Okay, Spirit is kind of like, a, um, uh, like the fuel. You know, the, 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 the body without the spirit is dead. Okay, So the spirit is like the fuel. And so what he's saying here in all of this, and he says that I'm going to put my spirit in you. So you know what, what, what this, verse, this verse is saying to us is that I'm going to give you a new reason for living. I'm going to give you new direction. I'm going to give you new fuel for the trip. Okay? This is a prophecy of salvation and he's showing us what salvation is. It's not just a ticket to heaven. It's new purpose. It's new fuel, the Holy Spirit. It's new uh, uh, direction. It's new re- meaning. New man, new creation, new purpose, new motivation. The motivation being the love of God, but then the fuel for, for, to be able to, to live this life being the Holy Spirit. So go to Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and we can see this now being played out in the New, the new Testament there. Okay? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, I want to encourage you, if you haven't experienced that new creation, if you've just kind of maybe even been a cultural Christian, but you haven't actually made a decision that, hey, I'm choosing to believe this for myself, then don't leave here without us praying with you. Okay? 
Like, let's just, if you're unsure about your salvation, you don't have to be unsure. Let's make sure together. (laughs) And then you leave here uh, 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 sure. Amen? So, old things have passed away, but all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us a new purpose. Ministry of Reconciliation. A new career. Okay, ministry is not a career in that don't expect to come in and get paid and all of that. But it's a, it's a new life. And part of that life is, I've got a new, new uh, purpose for living. Okay, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Okay, so now we've got this, this, this purpose, this new um, uh, direction. Then, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ did be reconciled to God. So showing us that now we represent Christ, showing us now that He is pleading through us to the world. And so I, I always ask myself the question, and I ask you the question, when last did God plead with someone through me? Okay? Then, over to the next chapter, because uh, this is one letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then... So now, he's speaking to the new creation. He's saying, hey guys, when you receive Christ, you're a new creation. And then he says, if you want to, you get to be a minister of reconciliation. He says, if you want, you can, you can have a word of reconciliation. He says, if you want, you can be an ambassador for Christ. But don't worry if you don't want to, because at least you're a new creation. And let me remind you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He doesn't do that. He's like, this is your new identity. This is who you are. And then he goes straight into chapter 6 verse 1 and says, We then, as workers together with Him. So then now he's like, he's, he's telling you, you're a worker. You're a worker. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You're a worker. Okay, so you're either a good worker or not. Okay, that, that's the key here. We beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So, we've, this, this grace which has saved us and brought us into so much, we can so easily receive it for nothing if it just stays there. And we don't take it to its full extent and allow it to mature us and take us to the places where now the streams of living water, it's not just for me, but it's for whoever I come into contact with. Okay, look at the amplified version of this, chapter, this verse. It says, Laboring together as God's fellow workers with Him, then we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain, that merciful kindness which God exerts um, which God exerts His holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ, keeping uh, and strengthening them. Do not receive it to no purpose. So He's saying, you've received the message of grace, you've received the message of salvation to a purpose. Which means you got saved for a purpose. New man, new purpose. New man, new purpose, new direction. New motivation. Okay? Um, let me leave that there for now. So we basically need more good workers. We basically need more good workers. A, a worker is someone who submitted themselves to being equipped. 
Someone who's now going to use that, give, that, that equipping through uh, sitting under leadership to be able to actually go and do something. And we're not, don't get out uh, legalistic, religious mindsets about what that looks like. It is fun, number one. <laughs> number two, it's an adventure. It, you're carrying a message of life, and so don't have a picture of the Mormons in your mind, or the Jehovah's Witnesses. We were in uh, Shurugui in um, um, Zimbabwe, and uh, the, the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, are very active there. Yeah, it amazes me how some of these cults, some of the Calvinists and legalists and all of these people, they are more passionate about missions than we are. As charismatic, whatever we are. Like, I promise you, it's amazing for me. Like, the, the people, some of the guys that, that really bless me the most when they, when they teach on missions are people that I wouldn't mention their names to you because I'm scared you'll go and listen to them. Because there's a lot of junk in some of that stuff. They'll, they'll tell you God will break your legs to bring you closer to Him. But they're passionate about the kingdom and about reaching the unreached. And I'm like, I can appreciate that in them. And I'd even ask them to come and stand here and teach on that, just not the breaking the legs part. <laughs> Amen? But I know that that wouldn't stand here. You guys would be like, let's be polite, shame. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Point is, is that like, we need to allow ourselves to be equipped and trained, but we need to see that this is actually part of everyday life. It's going to the shops. It's going to, you know, if your, your children are in school, it's, it's, it's you in that school, your child in that school. It's, it's, it's you, you know, getting into places of influence even. Not so that you can preach every moment, but so we can be light and, and, and salt. And, and we can preach when we get the opportunity. We're all called to be preachers and teachers of the Word. But we need to mature to that place. Okay? So a good worker has made a decision to respond to the call. To say yes to Jesus. And then there's a, a perseverance. There's a sticking it out. There's a faithfulness. There's a, um, I'm choosing Jesus over rather, you know, whatever else. I'm saying yes to Jesus instead of you fill in the blanks. Um, and it's, it's always a growing opportunity. It's always a, a, a stepping forward in maturity in these things. Boot camp kind of helps to, um, what's it, speed up that process. Amen, Jackie? <laughs> yeah, I saw you nodding, so that's why I picked on you. you know, like, so, so it helps you kind of get to make those decisions quicker. Okay? So let me ask you this question. Can God make you a good worker then? Can God make you a good worker? No. <laughs> the obvious answer we would want to give is yes. And then it's like, God, this is your responsibility. And then we'll write songs about it and we'll sing it. God, make me a, a, a vessel of honor fit for your use. God, make me into an instrument of whatever. And God, please, you know, we, we kind of sing all these dumb songs and we call it worship. When do you know what true worship is? Yes, Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Offer yourself a living sacrifice is the best worship than the, 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 your, your, your favorite song. And I mean, that's where we've got to be living is, Lord, not my way, but Yahweh. <laughs> you know, we want to be living in that place of it's all for Jesus. Okay? So go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
<coughs> and I think it's verse uh, 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Okay? Uh, I was in a traditional church for a period of time, and um, that period of time was one year exactly. I joined the church on the 22nd of uh, May 2005 because I couldn't find another church. And uh, I knew some people in that church, so I was like, okay, let me just go here and I'm going to commit because I'm, 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 I'm one of those people, I'm all in. So I went for it. 22nd of May 2006, I handed in my resignation because it's a traditional church, so you have a certificate of membership and you have to, you know, uh, uh, formally resign from the church. Um, it helps you to know who's in the church. But anyway, that's another story. But the point is, is like, I, I couldn't last. I, I lasted as long as I could by the grace of God. And I remember in a Bible study, this, um, this, this verse coming up and saying how God uh, um, has chosen some to be vessels of honor and some to be vessels of dishonor. Because if you think about it, he needed a Judas. And so it's like, you know, some of you, your destiny... I'm going to prof- somebody say prophesy. <laughs> somebody say prophesy. You know, gold is good. <laughs> Building on that, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, so the point is, is then it's like you don't know. Maybe God's destined for you to fulfill your purpose by being a Judas. Nobody wants a Judas, okay? Judas chose to be Judas. Maybe he didn't choose his name, but you know what I mean. Then it says, but look at the next verse here, verse 21. If a man therefore purges himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So this is saying that you have to purge yourself. If anyone cleanses himself, you have to cleanse yourself. And then you'll be a vessel of honor. It's not up to God whether you're a vessel of honor or not. It's up to you. Okay? So if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, made holy, and useful. So you're useful because you've allowed yourself to become useful. You're not useful because God said, Wow, I think you've got some talent. (laughs) You know? You know what's interesting with this verse? Is the context. I'll give you the context in a bit, but let's look at uh, it in the voice translation. It says, look, the voice, look, in the mansions of the rich and powerful, you will find everything from silver and gold serving bowls to wooden containers and clay jars. Some are used for special occasions where honor is important and others are used for more mundane tasks. So I tell them, if they will clean up their lives and purify themselves from dishonorable teachings that lead people astray. Then they can become honorable vessels, consecrated and useful to the Master, made ready for every good work He has in store for them. So it's bringing into context uh, uh, that the issue is teaching. The issue is doctrine. Most of us, our minds went straight to sin. To whatever sin you, you're thinking of. We need to cleanse ourselves from this sin or that sin. Yes, but the worse, worse than, than, than the sin is what you believe. Yeah. 
Because what you believe, the doctrine determines how we live. It determines our life. Okay? So, what's, what, what is key here is, what do you believe? And you need to cleanse yourself from, um, how did I put it? Let me get the right word here quickly. Dishonorable teachings that lead people astray. Lead people astray from what? Christ. Okay? This links up beautifully with, uh, what's it, Hebrews chapter 13, where it speaks about, you know, being established in grace and not being led astray. Okay? By novel or exotic teachings, depending on which translation you're reading. Okay? But the point is, is we need to make... Doctrine is important. Doctrine is important. What we believe is important. In context, I just want to go up a few verses here. So this is Second Timothy chapter 2. Um, I mean, the whole of, of t- first and Second Timothy focuses in on, focuses in on doctrine. Okay, focuses in on, focuses in on teaching. Okay, and um, uh, let me just find it here. The next verse, the next chapter, in, in verse uh, 15 and 16, it, it, it says, And from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures given by inspiration of God, etc. You know, and in chapter 2, which is where we were, it starts to speak about how, um, you know, they're, they're these, these ones who are blasphemies, uh, blasphemers, and there's those who have, have departed from the faith. What does that mean? To depart from sound doctrine, teaching about Christ, about Jesus. Okay? So we've got to make sure, we're, uh, if we want to be vessels of honor, we've got to start to appreciate good teaching. We've got to start to appreciate digging into the Word. You know, there's a labor of love, but a labor for the teacher to get into the Word and to be able to, to, to check things out and, and to be ready to be able to present the Word. Okay, there, there's a labor involved in it. Someone asked the question on our um, pulpit group. They asked me p- p- privately the question of um, um, uh, what do I say about your people getting up at the pulpit and saying, um, I feel led by the Spirit to change my message. And I said, I'm not a, I won't say that that's not completely wrong, but here's the thing. The problem with that is You've spent hours laboring over a message, praying over a message, because this isn't just 45 minutes. This is hours represented here of laboring over a message and studying and praying and being like, Lord, I want to get this right. I want to communicate it right. What do you want to say? What's your heart? Checking things out sometimes. Uh, you know, phoning a friend <laughs> yeah, and, and things like that. And then, and then all to stand up and say, I feel... The Holy Spirit saying something else. And then what that does in your hearts is it's like, wow, now God's really talking. And you devalue what's been prepared because someone had a, a goosebump. Okay, all I'm saying with all of that is that we need to be valuing the Word if we want to mature. And we've got to endure good teaching as much as the teacher endures having to prepare it. Okay? So... You know, salvation, because we're saved, and the, 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 the career path for you now as a Christian is to become a vessel of honor. 
That's your career path. God wants you to become a vessel of honor. We will all express that differently. Isn't that awesome? Because we're not the same. You've got a different expression. You've got different abilities. You've got different um, contexts, everything. Your environment, etc. But salvation, the point is, salvation isn't just a personal issue. Salvation is not just a personal issue. You know, we, we know God to make Him known. End of story. You can't just know God. Nowhere in the Bible will you find any evidence of a personal relationship with God. It's not worded like that. You'll find examples of men and women of God having a personal relationship with God, which is expressed in community. But you'll never find this uh, uh, idea of, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus and I don't have to talk to you about it. I don't have to discuss it with anyone. It's just me and Jesus. Amen, hallelujah, till He comes. It's nothing like that. And so, you know, this idea of uh, my faith is private, we need to root it out. Because it's got nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with God. It's, it's, it's godless. Okay? The whole purpose of salvation is knowing Him in such a way that it transforms your life and now people experience Jesus. Okay? You've got a message of reconciliation. You've got a ministry of reconciliation. So you can choose to be quiet or you can choose to operate within your divine purpose and your calling or not. So... I mean, what did God say to Abram? I will bless you, and by you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So God, He does want to bless you. So you, if anyone asks, what was your conference called? You can call it, was the Bless You Conference. <laughs> you, 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 you came to be blessed. Why? So you could be a blessing. Because that's the purpose of being blessed. Okay, what is that blessing? That's another story. But let me ask you this, what is the fruit of your relationship with God right now? God doesn't expect you to be where you're not. We don't expect you to be where you're not. But we, 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 we're, we're trusting that you will be, receive the invitation to step into more of what He's got for you. So this is the question. What is the fruit of your relationship with God? Is it producing life and peace for you? If it's not, it's a focus issue for you. There's a, there's a focus problem. But let's ask this question. Is your relationship with God... Okay, Is your relationship with God benefiting you? Or is it benefiting other people as well? Is your relationship with God benefiting other people? Because it's not just supposed to be you had an encouraging time with Jesus this morning and now you're ready to be a nice person. That, it's much more than that. Okay, It's much more than that. I like this quote. It says, Once you become aware that the main business that you're here for is to know God and make Him known, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. There's a verse for that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? Your greatest prayer right now, your greatest focus right now, might be to deal with a major issue or a major situation, but there's a bigger need that you have. And it's to know God and make Him known. So many Christians are more excited about having their sins forgiven than they are about living the mission. 
than, than they are about even knowing God. <laughs> Praise God, I'm forgiven, but I don't want an intimate relationship with Him. You know, uh, uh, that's how a lot of people are, present company excluded, obviously. But, you know, most, a lot of believers get more excited about prosperity or healing or power or I don't know what, you fill in the blank, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not badges of honor to be worn on a Sunday. They're tools to get the job done. So we need to see it like that. That, hey, I'm learning these things so I can go out there. So that I can uh, do something with what I've got. So what excites you most about your faith at the moment? What excites you most about your faith at the moment? We, 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 we had this verse earlier, I'm going to read in the Passion now. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.14 2 Corinthians 5.14 It says, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly. Because we are convinced that He has given His life for, uh, for all of us. This means He died, uh, that means all died with Him. Verse 15, so that those who should live no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Him. The one who died for us and now lives again. So what are you pursuing? What are you valuing at this time in your life? Okay, It's not wrong to build a business. It's not wrong to put effort into build a good business. You need to do those things. It's not wrong to put effort into family. It's not wrong to, to, to put effort into studies and all of these things. I'm not saying that it is wrong. It's important. God has given you interests. He's given you a giftings. He's, you, you, you're wired in a certain way where you could become a brilliant medical professional. You could become a brilliant business person or whatever. And that is not your calling. That is not your purpose. But it'll satisfy you to a degree, not completely. That is your vehicle for ministry. Because that en enables you to look after your family. That enables you to, to connect with other people. That enables you to be living in this world, not suffering. <laughs> you know, like he, he needs us to eat. But He didn't call you to be a businessman. He called you to be an ambassador of Christ in the business arena, in the medical arena. Wherever you are, he's, he, 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 he's put you there for the gospel. Not even for medical advancements, as much as we need those kind of things. And those things are great. And when you make them, you can stand up and say, by the grace of God, I can present to you this new discovery. Praise God. Isn't that a great Christian person? Wonderful. Wow. Their, their discovery is benefiting me so much. Then they die and go to hell. It doesn't help. We are living for eternity. That's what I'm trying to show you. The business, like, uh, uh, um, I was talking to a businessman once. It was a challenging conversation. <laughs> because he, he was like, God's called me to build a business. God's called me to build this business. God's called me to build this business. And I said, has he? Because it's going to burn one day. <laughs> Not the best choice of words, I know. I've grown. The point is, is like, I was just like, listen, let's just put things into perspective here for a moment. Your family is suffering a bit. Because you need to build your business. It's like your family is what God's called you to as well. Let's just start there. Never mind about living for the kingdom. Let's just start with your family. That's part of kingdom. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. 
Matthew chapter 6 verse 21, the Passion Translation says, For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So what we're pursuing reveals what we are truly valuing in our hearts, in our lives. So what are you pursuing in your heart? Do you really value Jesus and want to know Him more? Do you really believe... Like, I mean, if we... Be, uh, I saw some, many of you have probably seen this video on Instagram and stuff, and on TikTok, I'm sure, where the, this guy is like, um, I've just been... My mind is blown away by this atheist who just said, if I was a Christian and I believe that there's eternity and, there, and that there's a heaven and that there's a hell, I would be doing everything that I could to tell people this. And he, had, he was expressing how he's got a problem with a lot of Christians who don't do anything. That coming from an atheist. This is what we're talking about. What do we believe? What do we value? You know, I, I, I've, I've come to see like entertainment. I like entertainment. Like as I'm sure many of you. So I'm just saying that it's the truth. But I'm saying that to identify with you. <laughs> okay? It's nice to, to, to be entertained. And I'm not talking about church. You know, I'm talking about like watching a nice movie or something like that. Um, you know, especially if things are intense and whatever, uh, 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 I'll pray and I'll spend time in the Word and whatever, but then I'm just like, I need, my head wants to pop with everything that's going on right now. I need to, let me, let me watch something short or let me watch some funny videos on Instagram or something like that. Okay? And, you know, like everything in moderation. Amen? But, here's the thing. Entertainment is the, the devil's substitute for joy. Can't remember who said that. I think it was maybe uh, C.S. Lewis. But entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. And it's a distraction from your purpose. It's a distraction from your purpose. While kings were out at war, King David was awake at midnight. And what was he doing? He wasn't at war. He wasn't uh, uh, doing his purpose. He was on the rooftops. He was bored. And... He saw Bathsheba. And the rest is history. He made some big mistakes because he wasn't fulfilling his purpose. So entertainment and, and wanting to be comfortable is, uh, uh, can, can really rob us of a lot. So what's going on in your heart? You know, does Jesus have your heart? Are you guarding what you allow in your heart? You can take all of this very legalistically. I'm not saying try harder, clean up, whatever. I'm just saying... If, if Jesus captivates you, it's going to be easy to kind of go in the right direction. But we have to allow Him to captivate us. We have to focus on this. We have to, we have to not put some effort into it, but we have to just be available for it. You know how many people are not being blessed by this conference today? If we just limit it to grace lifers, do you know how many grace lifers are not being blessed by this conference today? Uh, we, we're really blessed and amazed at how many people did come. And, you know, if, if double the amount came, we wouldn't have had chairs. So praise God that the others didn't come. Amen? It would have been horrible for us. You know, that's why we had the registration, because I was watching to see... What are you going to do if we don't have enough chairs, Peter? Because it's not my problem. <laughs> I'm not hosting. The point is, is that like, like we, 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 there's a lot of people who could have been here and would have been blessed, but they're not. You know, I, I, I've gone to meetings 
I've received healing in some meetings. I've received prophetic words in some meetings. But those were all meetings I went to. It's a, that's a very profound thought. It is. Think about it. You can't be blessed by, the, by, by something you didn't go to. How many of you have been somewhere and you're like, I'm so glad I came. Why? Because you came. It's, 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 a, it's amazing. So, like, that's how we prepare our hearts to receive from God. It's by being faithful to do what we know to do. I remember hearing a 90-year-old, he was in his 90s, still is, um, and he was preaching on how to be a successful Christian. And I mean, he's hunched over, and he's standing at, you, you know who I'm talking about, um, Bob Nichols. And he's hunched over, and he's at the pulpit, and he said, number one, go to church every Sunday. <laughs> number two, sit up front if you can. Number three, take notes. <laughs> I promise you, it was all of these kind of things that most of us don't do. <laughs> and it's like, he's not being legalistic, he's saying, that sets you up for God to do something. You know, you can't, you can't enjoy what you, where, where you're not, you know, you, you can only enjoy where you are. So I want to finish off with this. John chapter, well, let's go to Romans chapter 12 first. And there's two things, two keys I want to leave with you before we close. Two keys I want to leave with you before we close. On kind of just stirring up that passion in your heart for Jesus and stepping into more of what He's got for you. Okay? So, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. King James. What have you got? New King James. We'll see. Great. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So this is your reasonable service. I think it's NIV, which says this is um, a spiritual act of worship. So this is talking about worship. So this is, this is showing you what true worship is. Okay? True worship <clears throat> is saying, yes, Lord. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm all yours. I would be legalistic to say, let's all get on our knees and commit ourselves to God. We're going to try harder this week, guys. That's not the right approach. What is the right approach? In view of God's mercies. When we take time to focus in on His goodness, on what He's done for us, what He saved us from, it should motivate us and stir up something in us to go, Lord, everything's yours and we'll be on our faces, never mind our knees. God, it's all yours. I'm living for you. I'm done doing it for myself. I, it, it, it's so difficult to, uh, to give something you don't want to give. <laughs> Amen? It's so difficult. Like, you don't want to give this, but you're like... You know, when we were in Albania, um, I think I've shared this, some of you know the story, and I share it for illustration, because it, it, it fits so perfectly. But... I've learned a long time ago that I, I like having nice stuff, but nice stuff doesn't have me. Okay? Nice stuff doesn't have me. So, if, if God says, give this away, I'll give it away. Because it doesn't have me. Okay? So I'm sitting there, and I'm connecting with this pastor and whatever, and um, <clears throat> you can feel there's a little bit of tension and stuff, but I've melted his heart, and he's crying, and he's sharing a testimony through translation, and it's going well. 
Okay? And as soon as we sat down, I felt God say, give him your watch. And I was like, Lord, I like this watch. I've never responded like that before this. But I was like, Lord, I like this watch. This, this watch was a gift to me from someone that I discipled and I helped them plant a church. And this is, this is special. And I didn't hear anything after that. Obviously, you're not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, say, okay, well, maybe give him your shoes, you know. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I, I straight away, after I said I like this watch, I was like, but you know what? It's just a watch. I'm going to give it to you. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? I die one day without having this specific watch. Like, boo-hoo. It's okay. So straight away in my heart, I had settled it. I'm giving him this watch. It's not a problem. I put the watch, I, I, I still had the watch on. We connected, he cried, I, we wada, 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 wada. And then as we got up and we embraced and I said goodbye, I said, before you go, I really just want to give you my watch. And you can see he's not too impressed because the watch doesn't look maybe like the watch he's wearing. I was like, also, Lord, he's got a watch. But, you know, <clears throat> I was like, this was given to me by a church planter, someone that I helped to plant a church. And as a church planter, I want to give it to you. And he received it. He was very thankful and very um, um, gracious in receiving it and all of that. But it was easy because I've seen God's mercies. And, I can, and, and you know, it was significant for that relationship. So it was easy for me to do that. Go to last verse here, John chapter 13. See, all we need to do is position ourselves, focus on the goodness of God, and it will stir us up to to do whatever He leads us to do. John chapter 13. Verse 36. says, Simon Peter said unto Him, Lord, where are You going? John answered Him, Where I'm going... Jesus answered Him, sorry. Where I go, You cannot follow Me now, but You shall follow Me afterwards. And Peter says to Him, Lord, why cannot I follow You now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Okay, that's the anthem of commitment. God, I'm committed to you. You know, there's songs like that. We don't, I don't know if we, all the campuses don't sing them, but I don't sing them. (laughs) You know, I'm committed to you. I'm faithful to you, Lord. I'm going to do my best, whatever. You know, that's, that's what Peter's doing here. Okay, God, I'm living for you. Okay, and then look here, Jesus answers him. Verse uh, 38. Will you really lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the rooster shall not crow until you've denied me three times. So it's like you're saying, um, I'm committed to you. I'm all yours, Jesus. And Jesus looks at you and you know, you've had the revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now you're saying, um, the, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God says to you, uh-uh. You, in fact, <laughs> before the morning starts, you're going to actually deny me three times. I mean, imagine the blow to the ego. Like, imagine, like, how, like, I mean, that, that's difficult. Somebody say prophesy. You know, that's, that's not pleasant. And then, the amazing thing with this chapter is that John chapter 13 goes into John chapter 14. And so the story doesn't stop there. The story continues. And so Jesus doesn't leave him hanging on, you're going to deny me. 
If we read it in chapters and verses, that's what we, the impression that we get, right? It, that, that kind of he's left hanging there, but he's not. Why? How do we know that? Because it carries on and it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I t- would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And I mean, he says there in verse, um, uh, the next one, three, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And the point, I mean, there's many great things we can pull out of there and many things we can teach on that, but what I want you to see there is that Jesus says, you're going to fail in your commitment. You're going to fail in your commitment. But I am committed, don't let your heart be troubled, because I am committed to you more than you're committed to me. And that's what matters. When you see that, you'll go, hey God, everything's for you. So that's all we're encouraging you to do really is say, hey, there's more that God wants you to step into for all of us, myself included. But we step into that by going, let me just look at His goodness for a moment. Let me focus on His goodness, who He is. And then it's a case of, wow, He's actually more committed to me than I'm committed to Him. Like that verse says, I think it's in Timothy. Even when we are faithless or unfaithful, He will remain faithful to us because He cannot disown Himself. Why? Because we're one with Him. He's not going to reject you. When you realize how secure you are in Him, it's going to set you up for success and fruitfulness in the Christian life. Amen? Father, I want to thank You that You are so committed and so faithful to us. And that because of that, it makes it easy to be a living sacrifice. Because we know that if You're committed to us, even when we flounder in our commitment to You, We thank you, Father, that you've got us. That we're secure in you. Not because we're holding on tightly, but because you're holding on tightly. Now, thank you for that wonderful truth, Father, that that you're not expecting us to be where we're not. I just feel like it's an invitation from God for many of you this this afternoon. God just saying, hey, just, just come and just enjoy your Father. We've all got to do that from, uh, uh, like regularly. But I feel like for some of you, the invitation is, hey, your father wants you to know him more. He wants you just to enjoy an intimate relationship with him. Your, your heavenly father wants to commune with you and love on you and share his love with you because he knows it's going to impact you and transform you and you're going to enjoy things more. And there's going to be an overflow from that place. In view of that, you're going to be able to say, hey, I'm a living sacrifice for you. For some of you, you've been, you feel like maybe you've overindulged a bit on the, the goodness of God, which is impossible. But we're not called to just indulge, we're called to, called to indulge for the purpose. To consume so that we can be a blessing. To be blessed so we can be a blessing. So that all nations of the earth shall be blessed through us. Thank you, Father, that out of an overflow of our relationship with you, we're going to step into more of our purpose. I just pray over every single person who, who, who's um, endured to the end. <laughs> every single person who's listening to this teaching or watching it online. I thank you, Father, that they... 
We just encounter your goodness right now in such a powerful way. And that would make the necessary decisions to step into whatever it is, the more that you've got for them, Father. Whether it's whatever it is, I'll leave that to their imagination. Thank you, Father, that you're always calling us into being secure in your love and your presence. And I thank you, Father, that, you're, that wherever you're calling us, you're there. So we can rest assured and just be content knowing that you've got us and we've got you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that as we go home that you help us to think of these things and think on these things, meditate on them, so that they would become part of us and we wouldn't just leave this here, but we would make decisions, certain decisions to move forward in our relationship with you and move forward in what you've called us to, Father. That we wouldn't just leave this here, Father, in Jesus' name. And let's just stand up together for a moment and I want us to all just pray for a, a few, few moments. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. I want us just to pray for a, um, just, just God just to minister as He wants to, just for a minute. But, but more specifically, let's just, let's just stand with um, Etienne and his family in praying for the, the memorial service on Thursday. I'll be doing it. But it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to show people the true nature of God and to share the true gospel. And so let's just, as a church, pray for that opportunity that people would come who didn't expect to come and people would be touched and that there would be really many people coming to know God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you for that. <clears throat> thank you, Father, that as, even as you know, we, 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 there's ministry happening to the family this week, I thank you, Father, that as a ministry happens at the funeral, that there is going to be just an amazing revelation flowing. And so many people are going to come to know your true nature and know your power, know your, the, the gospel, and it's going to impact and change eternity for so many people, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that there's also going to be a lot of comfort. A lot of comfort for, for the family in seeing people step even from darkness to light. Thank you that at this time, so many people are going to wake up to the reality of eternity. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And let's just take a, a few more seconds just as we pray. And just, just as you're praying in the Spirit, just, just, just direct your heart towards the campuses and, and towards the ministry as a whole. And let's just pray blessing over what God's doing and our next steps and what God's doing in us and through us and that there would just be more uh, that we step into with Him as we just keep uh, seeking Him and allowing Him to lead us. Thank you, Father. That you've called us together as a family for a great purpose. To be part of your worldwide rescue plan. And I thank you that you show us more and more of how we as individuals and we as a church family can be part of that. 
reaching the people that are around us, reaching the people that are far from us. Ha,